Hey everybody, welcome to Inside the Album. It's the podcast where we deep dive into your favorite albums and talk about the process of recording that album and the stories behind the songs and what was going on with the band and hopefully help you get some insight into what was going on in your favorite band's uh, minds and, and, and what was happening around them while they recorded these great albums. I'm Don Seckler and that's... Hey, as it says guy. right there, Tommy Podcast Hilkin. Number one you're... in Indonesia. <laughs> Number one in Indonesia. Good job, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I worked hard for that. That's good. Yeah. It's paying off. <laughs> so uh so we've been doing this for a while. This is now our thirtieth episode. Tom. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Congrats. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. It really is. That I spent thirty sessions with you. I know, right? Unbearable. <laughs> separate rooms yeah so subscribe like us you can see we're on apple we're on spotify we have video feed on youtube so anywhere you can get a podcast you're going to find us so please check us out tell your friends and uh make sure you uh comment in the uh in the videos and on the podcast we'd love to hear some feedback yeah um, did you notice that a lot of people like listening to us like, uh... <laughs> we have a lot of we have a lot of listeners and we also have a lot of viewers on oh, we YouTube. Do. yes oh, yeah we're God. about even so wow. it's about the same number of people are listening as they're watching which is crazy wow. but we, we are have a piece for radio yeah we definitely do <laughs> <laughs> but we are in over 100 countries right now so that's great so we're, we're happy that everybody's enjoying the show and uh one of the reasons why we do it is uh, charity that we're working with called Music for Mark. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, that, Tom? Thanks for putting that up there. Yeah, it's a organization we put together where we want to bring music to the world. And the best way to do that is through kids. So kids who don't have access to musical instruments, guitars. We even have a trombone this year, which is fantastic. Somebody's getting a trombone. And, uh, you know, I just saw Chicago a few weeks ago and oh, nice. trombone, is, trombone is huge. So, yeah, it's music music for Mark. We want to get music into the kids, keep the music alive. Don, you and I both know what music means to us. Really major, major part of our life. So we want to keep it going, and that'll be our way of doing it through Music for Mark. Yeah, so check it out, musicformark.com. There's a website, and you can see all the details there. So today's album is, you know, I have to say, I think this is a little bit out of Tom's comfort zone because we're going into the mid early mid 90s here 1994 yeah. this is dookie by green day 1994 yeah so the band uh is made up it's a th it's a threesome actually today these days they play with a, a second guitar player on on tour and i'm not sure if he records with them or not but at the time the band was just a three-piece so it's billy joel yeah. armstrong who everybody pretty much i would think knows lead vocals mm -hmm. and guitar Mike Durnt on bass and backing vocals, and Trey Cool, who is the drummer, and he but he actually plays guitar and sings on on one of the songs on this record. So we'll we'll dive into that and and talk about that a little bit. So Dookie is Green Day's third record. It's their first on a major label. So they had released two albums, uh, Thirty Nine Smooth and Kerplunk, were released on an independent label. Uh, but Dookie is the first major label release for these guys. And it came out in February of 1994. 
And the album was recorded in just three weeks during September and October of 1993. So these guys are out there playing, you know, like we've talked about, a lot of these bands are just playing a lot of shows and they're, you know, they had released these other two records uh, with the small independent label and sold like, I don't know, 30,000 copies uh, of the first two each. Wow. Yeah. And so they had, you know, they had some traction kind of in the underground in the 90s. Um, but this is when they got into the major release and, and got the support of the record company, the, everything changed for them with this record. So this is kind of a pivotal record. My initial thoughts on Green Day. So, you know, you and I are both now, unfortunately, in our 60s. <laughs> Or fortunately, either way or you look at it. Right. Yeah, right? That's probably we're, a better way to look at it. We're still here. We're still here. So, you know, when I was grow when I was growing up, uh. I, I was married at this time, had two kids, you know, two sure. little babies. And it was so for me, it was a time where I was kind of not, you know, not going to shows and things like that. My initial thoughts when I saw Green Day on MTV, which is where you saw music back in 1994, where you where they broke wow. a lot of music. Yeah. My initial thoughts were that Green Day was like the Sex Pistols light. I really didn't like it. I thought it was just like, wow. you know, they came in and they were trying to do the whole bratty teenager thing. And, you know, the video really kind of reinforces that they're kind of dirty living in a you know, a kind of a beat up old house and, and it's just, they're just kind of angry and nasty. And I was like, ah, it's so cute. They're doing that, you know, that angry sex pistols thing, but I wasn't totally, you know, bought into it. But over time I started to listen to the songs and really started to get into the band and you know, down the road, they produced some more records that were great, including, you know, a little further down, American Idiot, which I think is a, a really, really good record. But I've come to love them. And the other thing is that they, they've they influenced so many bands that came after them. So all the bands that mm -hmm. came out in, like, the early 2000s through 2010 or so, there was a revival of pop punk with you know, My Chemical Romance and uh, Sum 41 and uh, Good Charlotte and all these different bands along the way. And they all were influenced by Green Day. So, you know, I think that the, the bands from this time that have influenced other bands the most are Green Day and Metallica. Uh, you would go to Warp Tour in the in the early 2000s, every band on the the, the bill would could be covering a green day song it wouldn't be a surprise to anybody so you know I, I, at first i didn't like them but now i love them so that's where uh, we're at with my personal you know, take <laughs> well my personal take and i'm glad you brought it up because i uh you know it was going through my head last night you know i was fortunate enough to uh be surrounded by the greatest in punk you know mm -hmm. the ramones the sex pistols the buzzcocks yep. you know the love that i had for that you know and i realized that you know punk Punk was really not music. It was a scene. And the music was part of the scene. Right. So I couldn't put my finger on Green Day. So here I wrote it down. And I want to tell you, I considered them polished punk. Right? Polished yeah. punk. They were definitely they were definitely pop punk, you know. That and that, that's, that's like the term that, that I didn't realize that, that I put polished punk and then I noticed that they were really under the genre of pop punk. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I mean, punk, it's like, 
to me, punk is do it yourself, do your own thing, do what makes yeah. you happy, you know? Yeah. And people who say that punk has to be a guy with a mohawk and chains and a safety pin, right. that's just, if then you're just putting everybody in a box, punk is kind of just do your own thing. And the yeah. original punk bands, a lot of them weren't great musicians. They just right. did it. You know, they went out there and just did their thing. Whether they could play or not didn't really matter. It was it was more about the energy and the effort. And, you know, over the years, these guys have gotten probably a little bit more towards the pop side than the punk side. Yeah. But they still have a good, I, I think, uh, you know, in terms of it's a little bit of an edge. It's not a huge edge, but it, they, they're doing their thing, you know. So you got to respect that. Well, I have to tell you, where I do respect them and, that could bring it up here is that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when the Ramones got inducted, Green Day did three songs, three Ramones songs. It was killer. Yeah. It was killer. Yeah. It's, it's on it's on YouTube. Check it out if you get a chance. Yeah, definitely. It's, so, I, so I saw that. Good. It was awesome. Yeah, I love it. I still put it on. Brings yeah. back the memories of the boys. So um, this at this time, this is 1994, so we're, you know, grunge the grunge wave has kind of i don't know about crested but it was big at this time mm. you know the top albums of the year soundgarden super unknown vitology pearl jam then you also had the beastie boys with ill communication which was a huge record for them a really good record too on the rap side, you now had Tupac and Biggie and all these, you know, kind of gangster rappers. So you had Ready to Die by Biggie Smalls, uh, Notorious B.I.G. And the other album that was popular at the time was Monster by R.E.M., which mm. is kind of a more rock record from R.E.M. You know, yeah. R.E.M. is kind of, you know, they could be a little folky at times, but that Monster album really was kind of a little bit of a more edgy record for them. I think we have to cover that one day yeah i would love to do that yeah, there was also too. there was also a lot of popular stuff from like madonna and you know kind of those 80s early 90s pop stars there was a lot of that stuff out there too so it was a quite a mix of, of music that was popular in 94. wow that you know it's interesting we're always talking about rock albums and here we kind of the first time we discussed people like madonna and biggie you know and tupac yeah interesting music yeah. is really diversified really here yeah definitely Amazing. it's spread out and that's uh, to me it's more interesting I, i'll you know i listen to some of the old school uh rap stuff like biggie smalls and i'm, I'm not sure. a huge madonna fan but i i like pop music as well so um hey, we, we both love it's tricky let's face it come on oh yeah yeah oh, <laughs> run dmc's forget about it it's fun I was just, I was just driving this morning to go get a cup of coffee, and I was playing uh, Down with the King. Oh, <laughs> it's the best. Yeah. So uh, this album, Dookie, won the band a Grammy Award for Best Alternative Album in 1995. Wow. And it, it was ranked uh, 375th on Rolling Stone's list of 500 Greatest Albums of All Time in 2020. And the album sold over 20 million copies worldwide. Wow. Wow. So two, the name, two great feats. Yeah. Yeah. An amazing feat, especially for, you know, a punk band. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't have the, the Ramones really didn't have a lot of charting records or oh, gold God, no. platinum records or things like that. But the, uh, the name of the album is a reference to the band mep members often suffering from diarrhea. 
so which good. they referred to as liquid dookie as a result of eating spoiled food while on tour. <laughs> I saw a thing they called, they called it, they had a fecal fascination. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're teenage boys, you know. Hey, listen, poopy's fun, no matter how old you are. Initially, the band was to name the ba- album Liquid Dookie. However, nice. this was deemed this was deemed too gross, so they settled on the name Dookie. <laughs> yeah, Dookie's got Dookie's got to be a California thing. Uh, on the East Coast, we don't really use the word Dookie. No, yeah, ha- right. I I don't think I've ever used that. Nah, drop um, a deuce, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the album cover. And uh, this is uh, artwork by fellow East Bay punk Richie Butcher. And it caused a little bit of controversy since it depicted bombs being dropped on people and buildings. And the setting is a replica of Berkeley's Telegraph Avenue. So, you know, this is where like bands like Rancid and um, I think Operation Ivy was, was in that area. Uh, so those kind of bands all hung out around this uh, Telegraph Avenue area in Berkeley. And then in the center, there's an explosion with the band's name on top. It's interesting. There's a lot of characters in this album cover, but there's one that looks like Mona Lisa. And that's actually the woman from the cover on the first Black Sabbath album. Oh, Wow. And then also uh, ACDC's guitarist Angus Young is also in the in the uh, cartoon. Interesting. When these guys, when they were before they got signed, they were uh, had interest from a bunch of record labels. They had their first two albums actually had some some popular songs on them that were kind of catching a buzz. And so uh, they were trying to get signed by Sony, Warner Brothers, Geffen, and Interscope. So all the big labels were were after them. And representatives of the labels tried to entice the band to sign by inviting them to meals to discuss a deal. And one guy even invited them to Disneyland. But Green Day declined all the advances. And Billy Joe said that uh, the arms, the the labels were just looking for something that looked like a, uh, you know, the next grunge band. So he didn't want to go out and sound like a second or third rate Nirvana or Soundgarden. And so they didn't really kind of think that they fit in with what these labels were saying. Well, at least they stuck to their guns, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. ended up, they ended up meeting uh, an A&R rep and producer named Rob Cavallo uh, from Reprise, which is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers Records. Wow. And after showcasing him 40 minutes of Beatles covers, uh, he jumped up, he picked up his own guitar and jammed with them. (laughs) So they were also further impressed with his work and uh, with a fellow Californian band called The Muffs and later remarked that he was the only person they could really talk to and connect with out of the record label people they talked to. Yeah, back in the day, record label meant everything. Yes, it did. All right, so let's get started. There's uh, yeah. quite a few. There's a the songs are super short, so I think the longest one is like three and a half minutes. So as a result, there's uh, fifteen out al- uh, fifteen tracks on the record. Here's the first track off the album. This one's called Burnout. I
so mm. this track it's a you know it's just a speedy kind of rapid kind of pace and it's just centered around this uh main character's feelings of general apathy towards life so you know it's that kind of that punk hey i hate everything you know everything sucks there's nothing good i still feel that <laughs> <laughs> so i like this one you know i i mean it's not my favorite on the album but it's you know it, it's kind of got that kind of ramones e feeling to it right well you know I, I was just gonna say to you, a I, I love power trios i always have it's you really only need three guys if one guy can sing you're solid you know what i mean the ramones could have been a power trio which it, joey had to do to sing it same kind of thing but right. you know i was thinking you know, I, I imagine these guys got so big that they were doing stadiums and things like that. You know what I mean? And uh, I could see this being a club thing and having a great time in a club and every song they played just having fun with, you know. And uh, but they made it to where they were doing stadiums, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're playing. I mean, they play mostly arenas these days, but they do okay. some stadiums. But uh you know, that's not one that they're generally playing in, in concert. They do at this point. I mean, you know, now it's been 30 years, so wow. they've got a lot of hit songs from, you know, 18 or 20 albums or whatever they have now. Wow, um, that's crazy. But yeah, so it's uh, I, I like it, but I like you. You know, it does. It does have kind of a club feel. It's kind of like a mosh pit kind of song where everybody's, you know, that, that's where it takes around. you back. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. It was about getting all the energy, all the energy in a little room where it's becomes pure havoc. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. the best, the best. Exactly. All right. So let's move on. We're going to take a listen to the second track. And this one is called Having a Blast. Do you ever think 
here we're talking about a mentally ill character who plans to lose ex use explosives to kill himself and others. Oh, this was not go. regarded as a serious issue at the time, as the social climate would allow the song to be viewed as more of a, a cathartic fantasy. So this is something that's changed now. You you know, <laughs> people aren't doing this anymore. Yeah, this is true. But uh, it's a personal song for Billy Joe, who was expressing his anxieties and uh, depressive state on this track. Yeah, it's interesting when you listen. It's kind of the word that came to mind for me. And like you said, you know, I'm not a big Green Day guy. Heard the songs, know the songs, know them from the radio. But it's kind of like this is enjoyable. Every song they play. It might be an old guy word, but you know what I mean? The album's enjoyable. You know. Oh, I mean? yeah. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can put it on and listen straight through. Well, and, there, you know, if you do, if you ever see Green Day, I've seen them a bunch of times. And even if you don't know the songs, you still enjoy, the, you know, you enjoy the show and you enjoy the performance of them. Oh, I can imagine. Even if you're not familiar with all of them. We might have to go as old guys one day. I think we should. <laughs> Remember my wife the other night said to you, my husband's not going in the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was deathly afraid. <laughs> Deathly afraid. You're well, twice the size of everybody else, though. Yeah, twice as weak, though. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the next song. I'm a big fan of this one. This one's called Chump. Nice rep, right? So this song was about a uh, boyfriend of a girl that Billy Joe liked. He never met the guy, uh, but he wrote a song about him. <laughs> I like your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, right? <laughs> Let me put it in a song, just yeah. in case you're wondering. So <laughs> some bands considered albums as cohesive units back in back in the old days of 1994 rather than a random selection of songs and chump with a raucous ending that resolves into a fade out was built to flow into the next the oh. opening of the next track so longview is the next one which everybody's gonna know this is like one of their most popular songs but it uh it basically fades out and then f they start up uh longview the next song right off of that transition from raucous that's it's yes. a lot of work it is, right? 
<laughs> you know what? I, I'm going to ask you, I haven't, is there any, does anybody ever play a guitar solo or is it straight like, you know, like. No, there's no solos. No, Not never, in this record. No guitar work. I remember, I remember no, people, just, people were up in arms. There was one song where Johnny Ramone played a, a slight, a slight lead, a lead guitar, you know, like a solo. And people were up in arms. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Now they have their little bits here and there, but there's no, you know, it's not like, um, you know, Zeppelin or something like that. No 30 second riff. Yeah. No. no. Just jam straight through. Yeah. I think, you know, now, now they're playing with another guitar player. And uh, so that opens it up a little bit, but they still, it's not, it's not guitar solo music really. No, no. You know? Just drive it home. Yep. Yeah. So let's get into the next track. This is one that probably everybody knows. This one is Longview. I like the dynamics of this. It's got that loud, quiet thing, mm -hmm. you know, that you hear. Like uh, I know the Pixies did it a lot, where you know it's da -da 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 -da, and then bam, it explodes, and then goes yeah. back, and then boom. Yeah. So it's a lot of, lot of dynamics with the music there. I, I have to tell you, man, the thing that keeps going through my head is, uh, yeah, we all know these songs, we've heard these songs. These these got to be killer live. They oh yeah, kill alive. Yeah, they're a like great said, live band. They bring you down and then boom, you know, and like yeah, everybody's yeah. back in. Yeah, I can yeah. feel it. That's the one thing I feel here is that you know this needs to be this music needs to be experienced live. Has to oh be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, much better live than on the record for sure. Has to be. I mean, the energy is incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so this was the first single that they released on the major label. 
Um, and it actually wasn't a hit at the time, but their next single, Basket Case, is what really got them uh, launched into real big popularity. Huge. So Mike Durnt, the bassist, revealed that he wrote this uh, bass riff to this song while on, acid, on an acid trip. Wow. So the next day, a sober Mike, along with Billy Joe, had a hard time remembering the riff they liked so much the night before. It's great. So they, what became the song's baseline was what they had the, you know, the ability to remember. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I was going to say, if you did it the night before, did you record it? Yeah, exactly. Well, if they're tripping on something yeah. acid, then probably not, right? Probably not, yeah. So, uh, you know, who knows? There might have been a little bit more to that riff that we never actually heard. It's good to know there was acid in 1994. I had no idea. Oh, okay. sure, yeah. That never oh, yeah. Like that, yeah. As far as I, from what I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> Rumor has it. Yeah. <laughs> so during their first attempts, uh, attempts at recording this song, uh, the, the sessions, they didn't work out real well. They weren't happy with it. Then they went on tour with Bad Religion and performed the song every night, which helped them refine it. And then when the tour ended, cool. they went back to the studio and recorded the proper version of the song that you hear on the record. Awesome. And this was actually inspired by one of Billy Joel Armstrong's favorite songs, Message of Love by The Pretenders. Ah, uh, good too. So that's a good, that's a good influence, right? Yeah, you can hear it. Gotta now love that you The say Pretenders. It? Yeah. Uh, love The Pretenders. All right. So let's move on to another popular one here. This one is track number five. This is called Welcome to Paradise. So this one again is is really one of their you know most popular songs I think still to this day, mm. and um, Billy Joe and Mike Durnt wrote this the lyrics to this song about a slum in Oakland where they lived together for a while as teenagers. Wow. They had a band at the time called Sweet Children. And uh, Billy Joe said, it's about West Oakland living in a warehouse with a lot of people, a bunch of artists and musicians, punks, whatever, all just lived and uh, up and down and bums and junkies and thugs, gang members. And uh, it's not a place you'd want to be walking around at night, but it was a neat little where uh, neat warehouse where they were playing basketball and stuff. So basically, I don't know, like a squatter thing, it sounds like, right? Now they open up a warehouse, you throw down a mattress. Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you done that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's interesting about this band to me is too is that what carries his distinct voice. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Yeah. No one else sounds like them. You know, sometimes you say, oh, the band, you know, that no one sounds like them, especially vocally. Yeah, they're super tight musically, too. They're all yeah. great musicians. The drumming is 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 frenetic, but on point every time. Oh, yeah, I like it. I right. Like it. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's actually like the drum is actually being used as an instrument and not just so much for timing, you know? Right. It has exactly. its role in the band. It's great. Yeah. So this was a song was actually first released on the 1992 record Kerplunk. So this was on the independent label uh, Lookout Records. And when the band signed to the major label and cut the album Dookie, then they re-recorded it and included it on the album. I love Kerplunk. Kerplunk. The game. A great game. Uh, <laughs> great game. <laughs> Back from my childhood, my youth. From your youth? My youth. <laughs> So the drummer Trey Cool wrote the guitar riff for this song, and Billy Joe wrote the drums. So uh, in the early cool. days, they used to just switch positions and Good. play the other's instrument. What a great and, way to go about it, right? That yeah. changes things up. I love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fun. It's great. And Trey Cool, the drummer, said, uh, it's like everything sucks, but we're having fun anyway. We'll look you in the eye and smile, even if horrible things are happening. So... You know, it's kind of like an ironic welcome to paradise, but they're, you know, they may be in a shit situation, but they're keeping a smile on their face about it. Yeah, excuse me for not knowing this, but is Trey Cool his real name? I don't think so. Yeah. A, <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to ask Mr. and Mrs. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's three cool. It's three times cool, Trey. Cool. Yeah, right. There I guess. Go. I'm not sure. It, I don't know for a fact, but I, I can't imagine that's his, his birth name. <laughs> his brother Solo Cool. Solo cool. Kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Let's... <laughs> we totally digress, as we say. <laughs> we digress every time, every episode. There we got it. We got, yeah, we got it. All right. So let's go on to track number six. This is called Pulling Teeth. Uh. like that that's the extent of the guitar solo you get in in green day yeah <laughs> right it's there. uh you it's know I'm just, just playing the melody line really right yeah repeating it all right i'm just thinking yeah. here it's like 
we often say when we do our podcast, you know, hey, it's rock and roll, right? So this this just took me back to like the Dave Clark Five. You know, yeah, like it's a, very, you know, very yeah. old school poppy, right? Very old school poppy, just punked it up a bit, but it's still the same thing we always talk about. It's rock and roll, right? Of course. Yeah, it's amazing. So this song is actually, it's a tongue-in-cheek look at a, an abusive relationship. So Billy Joel wrote it around an inside joke that the band had wow. with bassist Mike Durnt after he was sent to the emergency room for injuries resulting from a pillow fight with his girlfriend at the time. Ah, around the time of Kerplunk, they were at a friend's house having a pillow fight. Mike ran around a corner and hit his head on a low ceiling beam and he fell backwards and broke both his elbows. Oh. So it's about a a woman who's abusive to a guy, basically. Is he the drummer? (laughs) No, he's the bass player. (laughs) Wow. That's that's right. Cool is the drummer. Yeah, Trey Cool is the drummer. Yeah, but I like I like you said tongue in cheek to a abuse. Tongue in cheek, right? I know you think it's bad. Abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like you said, you couldn't even think of saying that now. No, no, you wouldn't do that these days, but no uh, tongue in cheek. And the title itself is a further play on an inside joke. Uh, Metallica had a song on their first record, Kill 'Em All, uh, called Anesthesia Pulling Teeth. Mike's oh. girlfriend, at, who the song is loosely based on, her name was Anastasia. So they kept the pulling teeth from the Metallica track for the title. There you go. That works. And Mike eventually married that girl. In 1996, they had a child with her, and uh, they have since divorced. <laughs> oh, way to bring it all down, Don. Well, but he stopped <laughs> getting the beatings, so. This is true. Not a kid gets them. <laughs> the, pillow, the pillow fight beatings. <laughs> Go save your kid. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we're going to move on to another song. This may be Green Day's most popular song, I would think. It's probably their most popular one from the old days, uh, but this is called Basket Case. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? Okay. I am one of those melodramatic fools, neurotic to the bone, no doubt about it. Sometimes I give myself the creeps Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me It all keeps setting up I think I'm cracking up Am I just paranoid? Am I just up? I went to a shrink
Actually, you could get a guitar solo in there if you had another guitar. <laughs> yeah. But and I like... You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, this This song defines pop punk. Yeah, it really it, does. This, this is, is the kind one of that the you would start play. of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. And the thing I love about Green Day is they keep that bass because there's no second guitar. It's right. the, it's that having that bass nice and loud and it's it's very uh you know, it's like a second guitar almost the way they they use it. Well, you, you know, the only reason I can think about it, you know, is like ZZ Top, you know, you know, Dusty always had to play along. He played leads on bass. D.D. Ramone, same thing. D.D. Yeah, you got to step it up on bass when there's a hole, because oh, there's a hole there almost, right? Well, you you know, when you, if you ever watched D.D. play, man, he was an animal. He never stopped playing, never. Yeah, yeah. and somebody, it was funny, I was like, I was forget what show was, it a show in the uh, 2000s or something, and they were talking about the White Stripes, who was just Jack White and Meg White, right, guitar mm. and drums. And the, it was teenagers, and they're going, White Stripes, ah, oh, get a bass player. <laughs> Come on. Like, stop being so pretentious. There you go. <laughs> Put a little bottom in there, will you? Yeah. So this song is about anxiety attacks and feeling that you're going crazy. And so lead, gener- lead singer Billy Joe Armstrong suffered from various panic disorders when he was growing up. He would sometimes wake in the middle of the night and uh, with a panic attack and walk around his neighborhood to settle down. So Basket Case was a cathartic and personal song for him, and the only way he knew how to deal with it was to write a song about it. So uh, it's a whole thing about paranoia and compares the the condition of paranoia to being stoned. Uh, Uh And of course, the band's name is Green Day, which is a weed reference. Uh-huh. No wonder these guys are so paranoid. Yeah. Now I get so it. It was the this was Basket Case was the third single from the album following Longview and Welcome to Paradise. And it really was their breakout hit, getting airplay on rock, top forty, and alternative radio stations. Blasting right into the into the verse at the beginning of the song was something that set it apart. Simplicity was really a hallmark of the Dookie album. It's very straightforward, you know cut and dry three guys banging away um and while omitting an intro made a little marketing made little marketing sense so they were saying that you know the radio stations couldn't have the dj talk up the song over the intro because right away the the lyrics are coming in oh, there you uh, go but uh you know they the trey cool said uh that l- talking about the first beatles album please please me was an influence on dookie since many of those early Beatles songs just got right into it. So that's interesting too, that they, you know, maybe the farthest thing from the Beatles, you know, punk band is, is actually influenced by them. But, uh, but we saw that with like the Ramones where they were influenced by the beach boys. Right. Oh, all oh, Ronnie Spector. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, they loved all these, that stuff. Even though the influences uh, make, even though the influences make, really don't make a, a sense as a connection. When you start to hear them, you go, oh, wow. You know, I didn't realize that, but here's a little bit of influence from the Beatles in Green Day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like I said to you, we, we say it all the time. No matter where it goes, it circles back to rock and roll, right? You know, like you know, Chuck Berry, it, it goes all the little Richard, you know, think about it, little Richard led to the Beatles and the woo, you know, we always yep. talk about what yeah. everybody did along the way. And it just, 
it just continues to grow with it. And then you have to, to become something that stands out. You have to go a little bit, you know, left of center and find your way. Right. But right. You can't comes- just, you can't just re-record old little Richard songs. You got to right. take a piece of it and use it in something new, you know? And then, and then it becomes you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's but how Keith, it Keith Richards always said that, that no matter what people arguing over songs and everything, you know, it's just so many chords that you can possibly play that right. it becomes a song, you know? It's, right. Yeah. There's it's so many, so many variations. There's only a few, handful of notes. Yeah, yeah, especially in rock and roll. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next track. This one is called uh, She, and this is a really great song, too. So let's take a listen. This one again you know just amazing song and um it's basically a love song that billy joe wrote for a university of california student a, a girlfriend that he had identified only as amanda and they first met at a uh, club where they used to play a lot as young punks before they got signed to the major label and shortly after that uh billy joe dropped out of high school and mm. Amanda was an ardent feminist, and in, and that really enthralled him as a young punk rock singer. <laughs> Fell in love with that feminist. There you yep. go. <laughs> and he said, she gave me an education that I think was very timely for me. I was just a dumb kid, high school dropout. She was telling me about the way women have been objectified for so many years, and he was just kind of soaking it in and listening. And so, you know, I think, again, it's it's good, too, as a punk band that there's some kind of positivity around women, because a lot of times you don't hear that in punk music. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting the way these things come together. It's not like Jackie is a punk, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, in this song, classic riff, just classic. It's classic yeah. rock and yeah, roll riff throughout. Yeah. yeah. You know? Beautiful. All right. So let's move on. This next one is number nine. This is called, uh, hold on one second. That's a great song. One of my favorites. Yeah. 
<laughs> this one's uh, number nine. Hold this on is one called uh, Sassafras uh, Roots. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> This one, while not one of my favorite songs, it's okay, but it, it still gets my foot tapping. Yeah, like I said, it's an album you can listen right through. Yeah. No doubt. Yep. And this one's about uh, being in a relationship where neither person is very enthusiastic about that relationship. And uh, he's saying that they're both <laughs> pretty much just wasting their time. <laughs> but that's that. That's that kind of punk, uh, nothing matters, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't want to be lonely. That song's right. been written a few times. Yeah, you know? <laughs> quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I I, uh, I just want to hang with you. I really don't like you. We can yeah. write it right now, me and you. Something to do. <laughs> and, and we would name it Sassafras. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Sarsaparilla. It just popped into my head. Now, in America, we use Sassafras for a lot. It was in... Uh, uh, sodas and medicinal purposes and all sorts of stuff until they realized it was killing people. Oh, really? I didn't. Even <laughs> I just know saw that. it the other day. Yeah, you can't. It's outlawed now in the U.S. A little sassafras. <laughs> a little sassafras may not be the best thing for you. Yeah, no, but there, there's my input to the song sassafras. Thank That's you. That's it. That's all I Thank got. You. Thank You're welcome. you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank God for editing. <laughs> there's no editing. Oh no! Oh boy! <laughs> Sorry, people in Indonesia. <laughs> You're number two now. That's that sassafras <laughs> comment. I just, I just dropped the whole notch. <laughs> we love sassafras. Oh, you bastard! You bastard! You ruined it for Indonesia. Now the oh, words out. Yeah. Anybody who wants to complain, just please reach out to uh, Tommy Helkin at donsecla.com. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Here's number 10, When I Come Around. Hey! There you go. Oh, 
again, uh, one, probably one of Green Day's most popular, well-known songs. Um, it's a very personal song for Billy Joel Armstrong, who wrote it about being away from his girlfriend, Adrienne Nesser, and the frustrations they both felt when he was on the road. So they uh, met in, in 1990 when Green Day was uh, performing in Minnesota, where she lived. He was just 18 and found it difficult to uh, maintain a long-distance relationship, especially with his touring schedule. So in this song, he affirms his devotion for her, assuring her when he does get to see her, when he comes around, he'll make it up to her. Did he ever make it back to Minnesota? He did. They got married. Oh! oh. <laughs> they Look got married in, in July of 1994, a few months after Dookie was released. Wow. And right in the midst of the band's rapid ascent to stardom, uh, they the marriage endured and they had two kids and they're still married to this day. Oh, that's that's a great see that that's good stuff right there. Yeah, good, wow, is that a, yeah. it's not an easy life. No, not, especially not when somebody's out wow. touring and you know. Yeah, and the, at that uh, point in their life, still young kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Green Day performed this song at Woodstock '94, which was kind of a shit show to begin with. But uh, yeah. a, a fan threw a clump of mud on stage. Billy Joe stuck it in his mouth. This caused the fans to keep throwing mud and started oh. the inf infamous mud fight. Oh. A security yeah. guard in a rush to get fans off the stage accidentally slammed uh, bassist Mike Dirt into an amplifier, causing injuries to his arm and three of his teeth. Wow. This poor Mike guy. Can't get, a, can't get a break. This Girls poor guy, are, yeah. Are beating him up with pillows, security guards. <laughs> Well, they can write another song. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's crazy, though. He's always in the middle of it. Oh, my God. Dude, all you know, 94, all, all, every time that year, I had to redo Woodstock, man. Wow. Oh, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. Awful. No more peace and love. That's why. No, no, that was dead by then. <laughs> it's, gone. it's gone. Never to be seen. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Died with the hippies. Yeah, it did. All right, so let's move on. Number 11, this is Coming Clean. 17 and drug out on good confusion. This one, again, you know, eh, I'm okay. It's not one of my favorites on the album, uh, but a decent song. Billy Joe was uh, talking about, uh, the song is about him coming out of the closet. He said, I always thought that I've been bisexual. He said this in 1995. Uh, but he uh, he said it's, it's, it's mostly what was in his head. Like he never had a, or wanted a relationship with another man 
but it's something that came up as a struggle in him, especially when he was about 16 or 17. In high school, people think you have to be so macho. People get attacked just because someone insinuates something about their sexuality. And he said, I think that's gruesome. So, you know, yeah, I mean, who knows? He maybe or maybe was bisexual or maybe is. I don't know. But I think it's more about kind of the way people treat people who are different than them. Yeah, it's the old adage of being bisexual. You know, it's like all the sex I ever got, I had to buy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all day. <laughs> Boom. And don't all put right. that up there as a clip. <laughs> yeah. Gotten a, gotten a glimpse into Tommy's show. So. <laughs> there we go. I just dropped the number three in Indonesia. How does that one go over with the kids? Uh, hey, kids. <laughs> That's great. I think All you're right. going to be banned in Indonesia now. Uh, it's a... <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Yeah, me too. We need that. All right, let's ranking. move on. Number 12. Yes. This is Eminus Sleepus. I don't know if I'm saying mm. that right. lot of these songs this one is in uh, this one's a minute 43 the one previous is a minute 34 so they kind of are that you know short and fast kind of old school punkish yeah i hear a little pretenders in there yeah a little bit i think you know and i think they're you know like we said before billy joe's really loved the pretenders so i think you hear a lot of that influence here you can hear it yeah um this one was written by mike dirt and is about two old friends that met by chance and the narrator realizes that they both changed a lot as people so it's kind of thoughtful you know for for young kids because at this point these guys are are teenagers still i believe or early 20s at the latest so um you know interesting yeah it works like i said start to finish you can keep it all on yeah all right, let's jump on to the next one. This one is number 13. This is called In the End. Come around. 
this one is written uh, about his mother, Billy Joe's mother and stepfather, and how he felt about his mother choosing his stepfather as a partner, and he did not like it. Wow. Well, it's, you know, it's, that's a tough part of life for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it can yeah. be challenging. I, I thought in the end was about the bisexuality. <laughs> you never know. Could be that too. <laughs> All right. So let's listen to number 14. This is FOD. Nice. Or not. It's been for quite some time. It's time I'm on to you. Where's the other face? The face I heard before. Your head trips boring me. Let's do the bridge we torched two thousand times before. This time we'll blast it all to hell. I felt this burning in my guts now for so long. Logic and spot a side of you well hid. When it's all said and done, it's real and it's been fun. But was it all real fun? Let's do the bridge we torched two thousand times before. This time we'll blast it all to hell. This one's interesting and in, you know the, the way they started with just the acoustic and billy joe singing yep. and then the band comes in um so fod is an acronym for fuck off and die wow <laughs> and the theme of the song centers around the singer's grunge grudge for another individual and wish, wishing mis misfortune upon them wow that's not nice <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they should have called it fuck off and die they should have, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna go in, go all in. <laughs> but the uh, they they were playing this song uh, during a free show at the Hatch Shell in Boston on September 9th in 1994. There was a crowd of about sixty five thousand people who showed up, and wow. they turned unruly, and security was overwhelmed. And this is the song that they were playing at the time when they were basically taken off the stage because it was just so out of control. 
Well, if you got 65,000 people, you're going to need 32,000 security guards. <laughs> yeah, especially if they're all young punks. Right? Yeah. What are you talking about? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. <laughs> First of all, if you're a security guard and there's 65,000 people, leave. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't stopping shit. No, no, it's uh, true. Yeah, really, right? I mean, think about it. Yeah. that That's the fun part about it, man. Just get out of there. All right, let's go on to the final track. This one is the closer. This is called All By Myself. all by myself <laughs> no one was looking I was thinking of you oh yeah did I mention I was all by myself all by myself all by myself all by myself to your house but no one was there I went in your room I was all by myself a little weird this is actually a hidden track on the album and uh it's the vocals and guitar by trey cool the drummer and the whole song is about masturbation you know what i I don't know why maybe it's the law of attraction but i was just gonna tell you that might be my favorite song on the whole album (laughs) (laughs) it just may be me but (laughs) well it's funny quite enjoyable Billie Eilish was doing a thing with Billy Joe Armstrong a few years ago when she first got popular in interview and everything. And she said that her favorite Green Day song was this. And Billy yeah. Joe goes, ooh, that's a dirty little song. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, though. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's something completely different. You know, again, like that's, that's kind of punk, right? You're doing something that sounds nothing like what you did on the rest of the record. I like but- it. Yeah, 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 it's pretty good. So that's Dookie. For, Dookie! I hope everybody enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. It, it was very good, Don. Nice job, man. Yeah, As always. You. Uh, yeah. So remember, subscribe, hit the buttons, like us, share us, tell your friends, catch us on audio. Anywhere you get podcasts, we're there. On YouTube, if you want to see our gorgeous faces. Yeah, send us a note, you know, send us a note, something you like, something you don't like. Yeah, just yeah. let us know. We're happy to, happy to get some feedback for sure. Yeah. You suck, Don. Thank you. God, you, you said you wanted some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're the, well, you're the best. We'll, we'll be back next episode, probably with a, a different co-host. 
<laughs> oh, now now I become the co-host. <laughs> well, slowly I turn. <laughs> we're both co-hosts together. Oh, we're yeah, oh yeah. We're equal. yeah, yeah. You might as well cut it now and edit that shit out. Here, uh, <laughs> is that better? Now, now yes. we see. Now yes. we see yes. how this show yes. rolls. There, there you go. It's great to be king. it's easy when you have all the controls that's beautiful all right all right thanks for listening everybody catch us next time on inside the album bye see you later don